Hey there, conductors. If you've ever felt that you're not quite sure what to do next when you're studying a score, maybe you don't even know where to start with a difficult piece. Maybe you study one piece too much and then you realize at the first rehearsal that you don't know another one well enough. Or maybe you're a new conductor and you don't know what score study is. I'm excited to share that I'm finally publishing and sharing my score study checklist. I've been refining this for 12 years now, and I'm so excited to share it. It is going to walk you through my structure, my process to make sure that I learn every score that I need to learn well enough and so that nothing falls through the cracks. So it covers everything that you need to know. There's a link in the show notes. Go ahead and click it, sign up, and you'll get that score study checklist sent right to your email. You'll also get access to an eight-minute video of me explaining what each section is and how I use it to organize all the music that I need to learn. It's only eight minutes, so it's not going to take you a whole hour to learn how to study better, how to put up a process for your score study and how to make sure that nothing is falling through the cracks. So again, click the link in the show notes, and I hope to see you soon. Now, please enjoy this episode of Podium Time. Welcome to Podium Time, the podcast for conductors and students. Change phase is a call. It's a a terminology of change phase. It's kind of a traditional picking opera technique. Hmm. I told my kids uh, doing uh, Beethoven First Symphony from introduction to Allegro. At that moment, when you go from slow to fast, you have to change face. It's like acting through your body. You're, you're making a child scared or making a you know, horrible face, but then you, your facial is relaxed. Mm-hmm. Or you're laughing and then you immediately you relax. Or you're shouting, you immediately relax. You cannot keep it, that kind of intensity continuously. Hi there, everyone. Jeremy D. Cuevas here, welcoming you to another episode of Podium Time. And today we are talking with Apo Sue, who has been a part of my and Luke's life for quite a number of years. She was the director of Our City's Symphony before we were interested in classical music. So unfortunately, we kind of missed her for a couple of years. Um, And then just about a week before we started working with her at Bard, we made concrete plans to start podium time. So she was like the first conductor that we worked with after we absolutely decided we were going to start a podcast. And um, so we've been wanting her on since then. And uh, we we finally got her on. And <laughs> I think you're going to really enjoy uh, what we talked about today. A lot of body movement stuff, a lot of expression, because we're only on the podium for for one percent of our of our actual time, so you got to make it count, especially for the students. So today we're talking about how to really make the most of that time by honing in on your body and your face and your expression. So please enjoy this talk with Apo Sue. So, and you're making your own little stepping stones, right? Yes. <laughs> I actually right. I got a very nice compliment today. There's a um, there's a community group that I work with a lot, and I ran into one of the one of the players today and she was telling me about how much how much they really like me there and how much they love working with me yeah it's like, great. well thanks so much that is yeah that's, that's a, great. yeah yeah that's the best enjoy what you do and be yeah. able to live on it feed yourself oh yeah right <laughs> food's on the table it's important <laughs> Very much, yeah. Not quite to that point yet, but... (laughs) (laughs) No? (laughs) Yeah, gradually. It it, it will pile up, you know, gradually. But Mm -hmm. we love to be able to do what we love, rather than sitting at a desk doing what you not really care about. (laughs) Yeah. No? No. Mm -hmm. So now Jeremy and I met you at the Bard Conducting Workshop in, was it 2017, Jeremy? Six, or was 16. It Oof. It was our was graduation it summer. Graduation summer. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So so what was your connection to uh, Maestro Farberman? And I went how- as a student. I went to Faberman uh, as I was about your age. I was actually teaching already in St. Cloud State University in Minnesota. But throughout the years, I taught there for five years, and the summers and winter vacations breaks, I would attend all kinds of workshops just to improve myself. Mm. So one summer I went to Aspen. Then the next two summers I went to Conductors Institute in South Carolina. 
And I don't, I did not know who he was. I just wanted to go study with somebody that has an orchestra and going through the repertoire. So, and even before that, when I went to Hart, I met my teacher, Charles Brook, and he was the teacher at Piemonte School in Maine. You know about that school, right? Still going on now. Yeah. I went there for two summers, and then I went to teaching, and I, I, I guess I took a couple of summers break. One, once I start teaching, I forgot what I was doing. But anyway, I went to Aspen and I went to South Carolina. Three very intense summers. Yeah. So the South Carolinas where I first met Harold Faberman, I went uh, consecutively two summers, met a lot of people and went through a lot of repertoire and uh, became familiar with his technique, which is quite specific. You know, not, mm-hmm. None of the other teachers taught like he did. So my first summer, I, I, I enjoyed it. Second summer, uh, I was, just happened, so I was preparing, about to prepare my audition for Oregon Symphony. Hmm. So after the summer, I had my pieces prepared and I flown to New York and took uh, a, a long weekend, maybe not more than one weekend, but one long weekend, I remember. I went to Germantown, his, his, his house, you know, by Bard. And he gave me marathon, marathon lessons. I would sing through my scores, wow. all the scores, conduct in front of him, and he would just you know chop me up and put me back together. <laughs> we had I don't know eight hours or ten hours of lessons. Yeah. You know, I went back to then I went back to Minnesota, uh, and within two or three weeks I went to audition for Oregon Symphony and then won the job. Yeah. So he prepared me the last stretch. You know, he pushed me through. Mm-hmm. Yeah. High magic. Then I. Uh, did not uh, really stay in touch with him. But he then brought the uh, program, the Conductor Institute, to Hart in Connecticut. So once, I think, once or twice, I went through, just visiting summertime, I drove through, and I stopped in and said hello to him. So I did not really have contact with him um, from after my uh, summer with him until I won Just on and off, I guess, you know, maybe I call him or maybe we write a note, but not not close contact. But one summer, uh, late 1999 or something, all of a sudden he called on me and said, Apo, would you come and teach with me, for me, at Conductors Institute? And then he just moved it to Bard. I think he moved it to Bard in 1999, maybe. But I joined the faculty in 2000, all the way until 2016, when I met you. Every summer I went. Mm-hmm. Because we work well together, you know, we were we were the bad cop and the good cop, <laughs> <laughs> so we complement each other well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because sometimes he, I have seen a lot of guest uh, conductors because we always team teach, mm-hmm. and they were at least a handful of conductors that came through the program and worked with him. Or as a student, I observe them as well. He would butt heads with these guest conductors that he brought in, they would just have an argument in public and there's no more podium time left. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) They would just chew each other out. Uh Very temperamental, very opinionated. Mm -hmm. So he and I work well, so he kept asking me back. Yeah, it's nice nice when when the teachers work together. (laughs) Right, yeah. Uh So what what sort of things were you working on with him before your Oregon audition? Could you describe that song? Uh, oh, completely. Uh, they were like at least five or six pieces. Hindemith, Mafi, Stemala, Petrushka, but Tchaikovsky, four, maybe four, five, maybe. A huge, huge repertoire. Five yeah. major, huge work. So I, I think I took a short lesson with him and then a last final marathon thing I said. And we would, he would, he would have a chair right sitting. I stand right in front of him. He had a chair sitting in front, and I was a lower music stand. I would sing entirely my score from the first note to the very last note in tune, in pitch, in transition, in dynamic, in phrasing, in everything. Mm-hmm. And I would conduct for him. And he would stop me and say, oh, this is not clear. Your phrase is not clear. Perhaps you should not take a breath here. You know, do this and that. And I would conduct it completely from the top to the, to the you know, first note to the last note. And he would just continue work on me until everything is natural in, in a natural flow. Yeah. So basically, I had the music already prepared. And he just kind of polished me. 
in the technical yeah. point. Oh yeah, you've got to know everything a hundred percent. Right. He doesn't point. really. He, he gives you a little bit musical uh, direction or coaching, but basically he leaves you unless you do something really outrageous. He <laughs> kind of leaves a musical interpretation and thoughts. Yeah. He doesn't want to imprint his interpretation on you, but he will see what you're doing if your hand is showing the music. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So showing that, the music that was his that, teaching. Yeah, like showing the music to. you were singing. Right. So your your hand will look like the music. Your body will look like the music. Yeah. That's very much what he's doing. Your articulation, uh, contour, you know, the registration and all that. Yeah. He, I think he might have went over, overboard. You have his book, right? Yes. Yeah. He, 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 the, the, the boxes are how where you put your hand. <laughs> I, I don't follow it, but I just do it kind of more naturally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but that's a good idea, I think. Yeah. So you're not beating at the same time, same place all the time. Yeah. Become yeah, kind yeah. of boring. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And so how do you how do you teach now? I do a little bit of what he uh, taught me, and I use my textbook. I have an undergraduate uh, class. I use the modern conductor Elizabeth Green. The Myth Green, yeah. Textbook. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Mark Gibson is editing it. I yes. think it's uh, the, the front part of it, the, the front chapters gives you a very clear, basic um, approach of how to, you know, for somebody that's and, and just beginning to conduct, it gives you somewhere to start. So I use that book. Yeah. Uh, in combination of Faberman and a little bit combination of uh, Charles Brooke. Charles Brooke did not teach me much about technique either. Oh, yeah. All he said to all of us, you know, Neil Gittleman, um, even David Zimmerman was his contemporary, but a lot of con- conductors, Paul Wolf, were my contemporaries. So mm-hmm. we would watch each other uh, being coached. All Charles Brook was said is, one is down. <laughs> <laughs> That's about all he would yeah. say. <laughs> one is down. And then he just, you know, threats you. He just cut you apart when you were on the podium. Yeah. Very, very, very hard. <laughs> very hard conductor. Similar so, to Faberman, yeah. Okay, so one is down is is Chris Keltz's Instagram handle, I think. Right, basically that's it. Now one yeah. is down. Everything <laughs> else, you know, comes from it, and you make uh, reasonable moves. Mm-hmm. You don't do things that don't that people don't understand. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm taking notes. I'm not on my phone. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah, one of the things Dr. Keltz always taught was that, you know, just your gesture needs to equal sound. And he, your style of conducting was one of the, the examples he would always bring up. And mm. the first time I ever saw you conduct was a video he showed me on YouTube of uh, you were conducting Beethoven's Coriolan Overture. And I was just blown away by <laughs> just how much you were able to show with, you know, just your hands and uh, that even with the video, you know, no sound playing from the video, you knew exactly what was happening just because your gesture was equaling the sound. So basically you have to show the energy or the spirit. Sometimes, you know, we, we, we sometimes I'm on, on panels with the videotape from young conductors. Mm-hmm. Sometimes some teachers or some uh, ev- evaluating committee members will turn the sound off. To see what the conductor is doing, rather than listening to it yeah. and, and watching and listening, so that's also something. It's very helpful to see if you are showing what you intend to show without sound. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when basically, I, it's imagination. You know, our imagination. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I worked with with Donald Schleicher twice this year, and and one of the one of the things you talked about was how to practice conducting. And, and he said, take your videos and turn the sound off. Just look mm-hmm. at the right hand. Just look at the left hand. Uh, you know, so really, yeah. really be, get, dig into that. Cause yeah, it's, it's, um, uh-huh. the yeah. ensemble can be playing great, but they may not be. Right. Yeah. It may not be you. Yeah. Just themselves. Uh-huh. Sometimes I make my students practice when, especially beginners that has, uh, not mastery of uh, coordination. Mm-hmm. I would have them practice right hand along and then left hand along and then put yeah. it together. Like when we taking piano lessons as a child, yeah. you know, could, could not manage. So we would 
uh, analyze exactly what's happening and when to do what. You know, so technically that can be in spots that can be uh, organized. And coordination is so big, you know, with yeah. all my graduate conductors, coordination is often the big uh, challenge. Or what is not coming through because you're doing too much. Yeah. You know, moving all the time too much is not coordinated. Yeah, and that's something I've I've been trying to clean up in my own. As I've stopped taking conducting lessons since I graduated, I noticed that I got a lot more messy, and my <laughs> my, my old habits came back. So I've been, right. I've been getting the videos there, and just really right. really seeing what's necessary and what's and what's not. And right. it's 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 hard because it, you know, it feels good to show a lot, but it's yeah. it's too yeah, much because you're involved. Yeah, because we're, yeah. we're we're excited and we're passionate about it, but the body sometimes gets in the way. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Yeah. So with mm-hmm. the uh, with the Corylon video, the week before you came to Bard, that that last uh. year we were, um, Luke and I were showing everybody because you know <laughs> everyone's like, oh, who's 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 Apo, who's who's coming next week, and so we pull, we're like, oh, this is who's coming next week, and we, <laughs> and we pull, and then I just remember us all sitting in uh. um, in the kitchen up there watching your video on. Uh. Oh, we're so excited for this. <laughs> this is great. We get to do Sibelius 2 and Mahler 5 with her coming next week. So uh, it was such a treat. We'll, we'll okay. share that video. I know it's I know it's a, it's an older video. It's with a youth right. orchestra, too. It's, it's, it's a university orchestra, I think. Oh, okay. yeah. Yeah, they university, look, they look undergraduate. Young. Yeah, okay. undergraduate. So there will be 19 to 21-year-olds. Yeah, mm-hmm. Sophomore, junior, and senior age about. Okay. Yeah. So you were... At Bard, I think the video is probably pretty old already, right? I want to say like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm not sure. Early, because that's when I first returned uh, to Taipei. Um, I was just remembering when you said that in 2009 about Beethoven. 2009, I was back in Springfield for its 75th anniversary. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, you were, you guys were there, right? 2009, 10 years ago. Yeah. You were young. Do you want to know? <laughs> <laughs> what year were you then? Ten years ago. In two thousand nine, I was sixteen. Sixteen. So you'd be in like tenth grade. Yeah, I'd be somewhere in high school. Yeah, tenth grade ish. Yeah, that's the last time. Maybe that's the last time. I don't remember. That was back in Springfield. It was great fun. It was the three conductors: the, the then current music director, myself, and my predecessor. All three of us conducted in the same program. Oh, that's great. Outfit. It was a lot of fun, yeah. Beethoven fit. All three of us shared it. Oh, cool. And each cool. two was sure something, yeah. Yeah. Very fun. That's good. <laughs> yeah, a lot of Beethoven 5 coming this year. I've got to. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, and the rest of Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. Yeah. Let's see. What other things do you have your, your students do? So you know maybe a couple maybe a couple at the beginners and then and then some things that you have the more advanced students do. Um, I sometimes give them say classical symphonies to begin or overture yeah. as as earlier beginners, and then the intermediate and later on I basically I'm very pretty flexible you know what what they want to do what they like to do, and often they will put together groups and programs and then we just you know go with that. So in the beginning, I probably will often choose a Mozart symphony or a Haydn symphony or Beethoven 1, 2, 4 to begin with as mm-hmm. beginner pieces or overture. They're all very good. So you have some contrast of uh, slow introduction to allegro things that you can control your body, uh, do the movements and have time to read react to it i guess sometimes it's too fast you can't think you know yeah so something not too complicated also in the beginning and uh gradually perhaps if you want to do mixed meter things i you, you tend to start with the soldier's tail yeah. movement or two you know for mixed meter stuff and some of my second third year students when they get become more confident and ambitious they would bring our right of spring <laughs> and yeah. then we would get it. <laughs> so whatever, you know, sometimes often they will put together once or twice a full orchestra uh, concert and whatever they put on, we work on, you know, mm-hmm. Brahms symphony, concerto and this and that. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So whatever. 
Yeah. yeah that was that was my experience as well. When I study at, at heart, I would put together uh I would give two or three concerts a year, put together a chamber orchestra of forty five or so and just continually going through repertoire and, and take lessons to my teacher, but then run the orchestra and, and rehearsals myself and he would come and give me comments. Yeah. But basically I was, you know, do your own thing basically. Yeah. <laughs> I like the idea of starting with starting with the classical piece, um, getting that contrast, yeah. and then really, are you are you focusing a lot more on on physical technique and that control that you mentioned, or are you getting in into phrasing right away? Both, both. both. Yeah, I have. I would ask them to do the form and analysis mm-hmm. and phrasal analysis, which I find is important. Some of them come not having the concept of analyzing something before you start. And when you stop and ask, you know, which phrase, how long does it go from where to where, they cannot answer. Yeah. But if you had gone through that, then you know how long the phrase is going and where the arch is, where the yeah. structure is. The conducting is like a map. You know, the conducting becomes mm-hmm. more logical and more natural. So I have them ask them to do that the yeah. a- analysis first. And then I apply what Faberman does, the registration, you know, so rather than beating all the time to the center point. You know, another Somebody just came and gave us a conducting masterclass to us. And the, the teaching uh, a school in Europe or in, um, in Europe, I think, they would always make the ictus come to the center of your body, no matter where you are. It would always come back to the center, you know? So mm-hmm. you don't move your ictus in places. Yeah. Okay. But basically, Faberman's moving it wherever the, it needs to be. Yeah. You know, if you're queuing too, but you're queuing far away, you don't put it in front of your torso because they can see it mm-hmm. it's like that so yeah. i i let them go wherever it's necessary and basically to show where your line is going and where your emotion is going mm-hmm. so the conducting becomes uh like a painting in the space sculpting yeah. sculpting the space yeah uh, it's like a sculpture and i often tell them these days three d's three dimensions one is in front of our of our, of our body one is what I said, the excess comes, right? Maybe uh, 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 a depth, straight depth. And the other one is going uh, degree, like 45 degrees. So okay. you can go flat, uh, flat in your waist area, going out flat like this, or flat like in your body. And you can go up and down and in and out, which is actually 4D, mm-hmm. all the dimensions. And your conducting is like this cubic, it moves all over the place. It's similar to Faber and Singh, but I'm not organizing as such that he, you know, draws every beat doing what. Yeah. Because that's, that's the idea. That's the idea. So <laughs> the conducting will be, be a very lively going with the music's shape and <laughs> emotion rather than beating four in a regular square all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Even in very simple classical symphony. Introduction, slow, eight, 12 measures. We could practice that. Okay. When it's slow, you can do it. Fast is harder to do. No time to re- react, to think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, the classical symphony is nice because, you know, the orchestra doesn't really need the beats at that point. So you, yeah. you can, in that sense, you know, mm-hmm. be more creative, be more artistic. Right. And you can be, be freer because yeah, they, they won't fall apart. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, because they don't, they don't need us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not at all. And do you have them go through and do the singing with you as well? Uh, I used to have all everybody sing in my lesson. And then we have, uh, for a period of time, the studio conductors mm-hmm. will sit down at the two pianos and play for each other. Okay. And some are good pianists, so then it will progress nicely. Some are bad pianists, so then the conductor suffers. Yeah. <laughs> and the last, three or four, last three or four years, our, our college now has piano collaborative majors. Mm-hmm. So we have real pianists sitting at the piano playing okay. for us. Yeah. yeah. But sometimes That's... I think a conductor would depend. It would be your crutches. You know, you depend on the sound rather yeah. than, I think I tell them also, if you can sing it, you know the piece. If you cannot sing it, you kind of bake it somewhat. Uh-huh. You know, you kind of get by because someone is making it for you. But if you can sing it in tune and in rhythm, that means you really understand it and you know how to execute it. Mm-hmm. And you know how to demonstrate it to your musician if necessary. 
all the other times, I think we fake it somewhat. You know, we're not responsible for making the sound. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And if you it. can just count the measures. <laughs> right. Yeah. Sometimes we don't know it really well, but you just be generally people filled it in for you. Uh-huh. So good and bad. So sometimes I take them apart with our piano and we mm-hmm. go through piece by places that needs to be done uh, without other people making noise for you. Yeah. 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 I find for myself studying, you know, we, we always listen because it's so convenient now. A new or old piece, you can listen to recording and you can grasp the idea quickly. But I, I find myself doing the best conducting and uh, the deepest, I mean, studying. The best of studying and the deepest understanding and studying is to be away from the source of sound. Mm-hmm. Just you and the score and you, you look into it and you think about it, imagine it and figuring out all the details. Then you go back and listen to it and you know what's what's in there. Yeah, I find I find myself using recordings early to get to get the general. I do you know, so yeah. I know how it sounds, how it goes, and then yeah. and then moving away. And I think that's become yeah. very common. It's back and forth. Back and forth. Yeah. 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 Listen is great and you can listen to a lot and you can steal from people what you like and you don't like. You know, you know what to do and what not to do. And you can hear different interpretation you can hear mm-hmm. different details of the same measure which yeah, i yeah, love yeah yeah, yeah just the other day I, I picked uh right now i'm working on the young person's guide so i, I picked a couple in, um things and just as an exercise i got three recordings mm-hmm. um from very different conductors very different groups yeah. and i just yeah. really focused on the first two measures to hear like mm-hmm. like every you know how's Detail. the balance what's what's coming out and i noticed you know i noticed a lot of things that um, I didn't realize I wasn't even hearing in one of the recordings. Um, yeah. You know, this one's very, this one's got a lot more snare drum than that one. This one, I right. can't hear the winds at all in those first couple yeah. chords, you know. And so yeah, that, that, that you know, that's a yeah. big benefit of being able to, I mm-hmm. was fine. I was trying to fine tune my hearing and really focus on that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, interesting. I have uh, uh, listened to quite a few when I was with the Springfield Symphony, you know, when I was looking at a lot of things, I listened to a lot of recordings by Leonard Slatkin. Yeah. And I've always, him and David Zimmerman, I guess, quite often I would notice, they would draw my attention to the inner voices, mm-hmm. you know, like viola and stuff. It's like, whoa, so cool. You know, bassoon, whoa, so cool. Because <laughs> usually it's like top and a bottom is so clear, but the inside, some people draw it out and it makes it so interesting. Yeah so much more layers and texture and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sometimes it's hard to bring those voices out if the violas or the seconds don't want to, <laughs> don't want to bring it out. Yeah. 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 I haven't listened to many of, many of their, was Slatkin was still in St. Louis at that time, wasn't he? The first, uh, the first part of the uh, front part later on he left. Yeah. Okay. But he make a lot of recordings with St. Louis symphony. Lots, mm-hmm. lots and lots. And it's like a champion. He and Michael Tilson Thomas and a few, like champion of uh, American contemporary composers. You know, they just keep yeah. doing it, which is wonderful. Mm-hmm. Schwartz, Jerry Schwartz. Yeah. A lot of them yeah, make mm-hmm. a lot of recordings. Yeah. So who are some of the, who are some of your favorite conductors now? Uh, a lot of them just recently passed, right? Uh, Abado I like, yeah. Kleiber I like. Mazur I like to some degree, yeah, because his his, uh, his uh, ger- German repertoire is wonderful. Okay. So I can I, I always enjoy Zimmerman I liked. Um, Marin Alsop also turns out a lot of things now. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tilson Thomas I like. Some people are very uh, some conductors are very clear and um, clean and clear. But, but not so passionate, you know, sometimes a little bit distant emotionally. And some are so emotional, but it's not so clear. Mm-hmm. They're like two kinds of conductors. It's yeah. hard to find all two things together. It's hard to find. Maybe Kleiber, you know, a little Kleiber. Yeah. yeah. Janssen has just passed. Maurice Janssen. That's right. Yeah. Also very good. Yeah. 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 yeah who we- are you all? Who are you are not listening to mostly? Um, I really like um, Zinman's Zinman's Beethoven cycle. That was one that we studied a lot when I was when right. I was 
in my masters because he does he has a lot of weird things in there and he brings out <laughs> that he changes things he has the horn mm-hmm. stop but but then in the in the fifth symphony in the first movement in the recap when the oboe does the little cadenza um he adds a couple notes he like he adds some like improvisation and he rewrites the little cadenza so he does he does weird uh-huh. stuff like that so i think that's where we're uh-huh. looking at it but um I mean, Abato is is always always been my favorite. I remember um, I was I was still pretty new to conducting when he when he passed away a couple of years ago, and huh. and yeah. I I found a in his last interview for Gramophone magazine in one of the magazines, and it was mm-hmm. you know it was it was bittersweet because it was a nice interview, but I I got so little time uh, yeah. when when he was still with us, you know. Right. Right. Yeah, passion, passion and emotion is important in, in our in our work. Mm-hmm. I find also I encourage my students a lot these days uh, for conducting, making music well through conducting. Not only we need to be good musicians, you know, we need all the basics, the form and, and theory and this and that. But recently I've kept asking people to take body movement classes. Okay. Whether it's... Uh, Tai Chi, yoga, modern dance, uh, whatever form is body movement classes. I think it's so important to what we do. So we are comfortable and we're coordinated and our energy spirit flows through our movements with freedom. So a lot of it's uh, right now I'm seeing uh, beginner conductors, a lot of it's tension in body and the lack of coordination it seems to be a big challenge for a lot of people yeah Yeah, when we when 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 you and i were working together in our in our sessions i remember very very much you you were trying to get me to be heavy but without the tension i and i couldn't figure it out couldn't Mm -hmm. quite i couldn't quite get it like without like you know tensing my arms to make it seem heavy and i'm you know i'm i'm still always working on that I think I have a better right. sense. What um, yeah. what what Wes yeah. would have us do in the masters is he we had one of our conducting classes where we would go to the pool on the school right. and we would mm-hmm. conduct Brahms in the water. In the water. Which was yeah. very which was very nice because Yeah. You know, Resistance. But yeah, I think the without yeah. tension is, is very important. You've mentioned yeah. you've mentioned coordination. How you know, and you said earlier having them conduct one hand at a time. Is there any right. other way that you that you try to help build that? Uh, that's what all we can do in our, our our studio time. You know, working on your arm and take it apart, put it together. But I think coordination should be done because our time is so limited. Mm-hmm. So learning the coordination of your body, expressing with gestures, you you should take body movement classes, which is, you know, whatever, dance, (laughs) yoga is good, or tai chi, because it makes you move so smooth and so slowly. Yeah, your body has to be somewhat relaxed, Mm -hmm. because you cannot be tense doing an hour exercise. (laughs) Just, you know, break apart. So a lot of that, just knowing your body and knowing how to use it. Another thing I tell my uh, conductors now is like a lot of the times you are giving a very strong downbeat for, for, for the piano, tenuto, or whatever. But after the ictus, basically, you give a very strong ictus, then you have to relax. You cannot hold 100% the intensity continually mm-hmm. for end of a or something. You will lessen some, but you're still holding it with the intention of tenuto, which is you know lesser degree of energy, but still maintain that kind of um, feeling of intensity, which is acting. It's, it's not real hey, holding it, but you're acting, you're holding it. So I tell them to give it and then maintain, but you're not forcing your muscles to do so much anymore. You give 100% and you hold it with 50%, that's all. Okay. But your energy and your face is still 100%. Your arm is not 100%. You break, you know, your muscle would be <laughs> injure yourself if you do that. So it's like, it's like acting through your body, you're... you're 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 making a child scared of making a you know horrible face, but then you your facial is relaxed, mm-hmm. or you're laughing and then you immediately you relax, or you shouting you immediately relax. You cannot keep it that kind of intensity continuously. So our body has to generate and portray that kind of image. 
yeah. people look at us thinking, wow, you know, he's really intense still, but actually we're relaxed. You know, yeah. Our body could not take it that way. Yeah. And you I know, think that's, that's kind of, yeah, that's a tough habit to create, to, you know, do it, especially if you have limited podium time, limited time in there, you know, the, it's, it's tough to practice to, to remember yeah. to, to turn right. the tension off. Right, right. So that has to be done because podium time is, is well, maybe 1% of what we do, you know, of 100% yeah. energy and time. So out of that 1%, we need to practice elsewhere yes. and be able to master and utilize whenever we need it, you know, what we need to be doing instantly. We can draw it. So body movement class actually is a class like a technique of your body. Yeah. You're like learning Kung Fu, learning karate, or learning uh, baseball, or shooting the basket of, of basketball. You need to practice to get target. Mm-hmm. So our 1% is our target, but you need a lot of preparation to get there instantly when you need it instantly. Yeah. yeah. I've also heard to um, take specifically like classical ballet. Because they have, I think somebody told me, you know, it, they're all make, make, they've got makeup on their face and, and ever so many people are far away that they, you know, their facial expressions don't read. And so they have specific hand positions, like, and I think they equate them to eyelashes. So, so like in classical ballet, at least again, from what I've been told, there is, you know, a hand position for angry or a hand position for sad uh, and a hand position. So, you know, that's right. something I've, I've, I've been very interested to, um, right, to learn right. and, and to dig into. Um, yeah. Because since so much of our, you know, so much of the history of our art overlaps in that sense. Right. Because we're doing sign language, basically. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, and we have our face and our eyes to, to use. Uh, in, in, in along, along with this ballet thing, if you look at Thai... Thai or Burmese, the, the dance, the, the folk dance and folk music, you know, the Thai people dance with their arm, hand, okay. and eyes. Okay. Eyes. In June, there was a troupe that came to Taipei, and it was about this gamelan. Gamelan is the mm-hmm. thing. Gamelan. And they would have movements, and the finger would, would show certain things. And yeah. we had a tiny master class. The master was teaching us of our eyeballs showing the emotion and moving our eyeballs up and down and left and right. That's part of their dance. Yeah. It's their tradition, which is, you know, all they can show is this much. So emotion has to come out from this and technique is in their face. Uh-huh. In their eyeballs. It's like, my God, eyeballs. <laughs> when do I ever think about yeah. eyeballs? But it was so incredible. They would, you know, he would make us like, you know, pop it out and then move it to the right and move it to the left. It's incredible. <laughs> well, and it's all it's all communication, and that's all we're yeah. that's all yeah. we're doing. Sign language, yeah. yeah. Sign language with yeah. your body, every part of your body. Yeah. And the better we know how to do it, and better coordination, the better you know, more effective. Mm-hmm. So, so I, I've I've worked with with two different teachers recently, and I won't I won't say who they are. One of them um, has been absolutely no facial expression. You just keep mm-hmm. just whatever, and the other one what he's been pushing me to do is to go overboard with my facial expression and really, really develop that. So I'm curious, Mm -hmm. I'm curious what you think. It sounds like you're pro facial expression. Uh, (laughs) When when you don't get things out, otherwise, then you need to, you know, prop things out and then maybe take it back soon after you know how to show without, you know, maybe you can do it with, with, with initially internalizing the feeling and be able to show it in your body gesture without Mm -hmm. making faces. I think both you should, we should learn both. One is with uh, external expression, facially and body. One is with nothing at all, but still be able to portray and make people feel what you're trying to do. Okay. I think both is important. You know, actors do that, I think. You know, they would be quiet for a few moments and then they just turn around and you look at them, you can feel what they are feeling. That kind mm-hmm. of exercise. Yeah. I think my, one, of my, one of my colleagues who went to Peabody, conductor, with uh, Prosnitz, a mm-hmm. conductor who passed away 15, 10 years ago, they had an ex- exercise in their conducting studio the teacher will make a car, you know, draw like an index car. An index car will show, will say all the emotions, whether it's happy, angry, frustration, sadness. Yeah. And you would draw a car and you have to make people see in your face what oh, you feel. I, I love that. Exercise. 
Yeah. It's for actor, but they were doing it in conducting class. Yeah. I think it's important you know, yes. to, to be able to show it. Uh-huh. Whether you use it or not, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's it's again, it's it's these two exi- total opposites that I've been yeah. I've been practicing at different times. Because on one hand, it's you know the idea is that everything should be in your hands, everything you're showing should be in your hands and very controlled. Your face doesn't matter. And then the other side is you know the orchestra doesn't care about your hands. They want to know what the character of the music is. Yeah. And yeah, I think that there is a middle ground in there, yeah. but it's, it's something that's been on my mind a lot. So I was curious what you thought. Yeah, I think both is important as yeah. long as you don't disturb. Yeah. <laughs> when you do too much, yeah. you know, it's like you know, overboard, and it's like, you know, why are you doing that? But <laughs> a little bit of a hint of some kind of going emotion, or or if you really get angst, you know, yeah. you are sad or you're so incredibly down, then your body and your face must be affected by it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that kind of thing. Yeah. Natural. Sure. I always tell them to be natural. <laughs> yeah. 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 So everyone listening, go take an acting class and go take a ballet class and take <laughs> a yoga and a, and a tai chi. Everything. everything. Learn your body. Basically, to yeah. learn your body yeah. and be able to show your your emotion, uh, your expression. Be able mm-hmm. to show it. Because often we don't see it. Even the conductor feels a lot. But the outside, the, the, the re, re, recipient do not feel that yeah. it is hard to give back. This conductor is like the you know third. We, we are a me, medium, right? We're in between. The musicians get our message, and then audience gets it from the musicians. So it's like a, 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 a relay. We pass the baton to them, and they pass it to the audience. So it, it has one more layer of getting something across. So we have to be so keen so aware of what we want to show yeah yeah no i I love that aware of aware of what we want to show and a lot of that is is the preparation a lot of that is knowing knowing what you want to show ahead of time yeah and i think that one that yeah one thing that that often gets overlooked in conducting training is that we focus so much on the hands right technique Yeah. yeah yeah and it's 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 hard to focus on the internal world but but yeah by you know practicing to making that external is is very important yeah. in conducting a musician is the same we practice in isolation and in silence mm-hmm. it's a very introvert uh process yeah. of getting a piece of music in your mind and observing it you're you're you and it nobody else just you and the, you and the piece so you internalize it and it becomes intimate, but you always with it in your quiet universe, in, in your little universe. And all of a sudden, we're on podium. We're like, you know, with 100 people, and we have to be so extra, you know. It's so hard. Mm-hmm. It's such a flip. It basically, you need a split personality to do it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and all of a sudden, you're so extrovert, and you're like asking everybody <laughs> to do this and that. But you, when you're with it, you're like, oh, my baby, you know. My baby, I feel for you. I'm so sad. I'm so happy. But you're yeah. talking to yourself, basically. <laughs> All of a sudden, 100 people waiting for you to show it. You know? So mm-hmm. that instant flip and, and pulling yourself out of the shell, coming out of, your, out of yourself, I found that very difficult in my early stages. Mm-hmm. You know, like pull yourself out of your box, yeah. coming out of the closet. <laughs> you know, <Yeah>. vulnerable, <laughs> naked, emotionally naked yeah. in front of a hundred people. It's tough. Yeah, yeah. You have you have to be just you know be brave and because the moment is time is so so short. We only have that much podium time. Mm-hmm. So instantly you have to turn it on. Yeah, be that. Yeah, be mm-hmm. that. So what what helped you get through that? Was it just more and more time, or, or what? De- de- definitely more and more time. Uh, from podium experience or from performances and mm-hmm. from reminding myself. In my earlier scores, I would write in the first, you know, a little post-it note or something, think of all these things before you, before I start, you know, yeah. all things I need to, to, to watch out for. And sometimes I will even put it down, let them play. Yeah. Yeah. And just to remind you, you know, myself, just, just enjoy and get into the music and sometimes you have to let go. Sometimes you have to steer it, 
or rein it in, or sometimes you put the pedal, but sometimes when it's really wonderful and every, everybody's in synchronization, you let them play. I remember David Zimmerman saying this, you know, being about this let them play, maybe David Zimmerman, I think so. Because we are always trying to bring the music to such synergy, mm -hmm. us and the musicians and the composer and audiences in one, one plane, one zone that we just flow together. So we bring it up there and you, 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 you work through a lot of things to bring it this beautiful selling together. But once the conductor awares that you are selling it smoothly together, you're away from that ideal. You pop back right into reality, you know, you left it. <laughs> yeah. So there's like never, never a, a, a place that you can like settle on because we are the driver. We're not the passenger, you know. The musicians, uh, the, 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 the audience could be the passenger. Hmm. The musician and us are both on the bus. Yeah. We're driving. It, you know? <laughs> so how we drive it, how smooth and how, how rugged, and it's, it's all in our hands. Yeah. Yeah, but to, to get to that plane, it's, it's, it's a wonderful, wonderful place. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Takes a lot to get there. Once you get there, you come down. <laughs> yeah. yeah yes that's that's what we're shooting for every rehearsal and i like to yeah. let them to let them play that's um yeah. that's a that's a reminder i may start putting in my scores a little bit yeah uh, sometimes you forget you know we try to like uh, mother mother the orchestra a lot because mm -hmm. we care about every note but um another thing i, I figure and i tell my my students as well the better the the more solid the orchestra play the less we do, the freer you let them be. The more that you need to be, the, the, the less secure they are, then you get into it. The more secure yeah. they're good, then you, you just let it go a little bit. And another thing also like a, a contrast or a con conflict of energy almost, the more calm the orchestra, the music required, the more calmness, the more we're involved. Yeah. The more exciting the music it is, the more calm we are, mm -hmm. like Stravinsky, Rite of Spring. Yeah. They go wild, I mean, you don't. Yes. Yeah. Oh, so for string, Adagio for string is so quiet, but you have to be You so have intense. to be there the it's whole time. so intense, yeah. That kind of mm -hmm. thing is like two opposite all the time. Yeah, yeah, that's a good, or... Sort of yeah. like driving a car. Yeah. yeah, yeah, or the more, yeah, the more beats there are, the less you need to show but once yeah. you get the slow music then you really then you yeah whether exactly. it's barber but bar i think barber especially because it's not just slow it is yeah, it's intensity yeah. yeah no beats but it's aligns and the feeling and the right of spring is already crazy so if you go crazy they go more crazy then it's all mess <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think the the maleradagiato also is that yeah, very much exactly. like every note has so much has so much in it, and then yeah, it is like Zen or something, you know. Yeah. It's like so much going on, but basically your outside is cool and calm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we are we are a crazy bunch of conductors, <laughs> huh? Contradictory, right? right. <laughs> Split personality. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I kept telling my kids these days when they uh, huge sections of uh, dynamic or emotional changes. I tell them to think about Peking Opera. Peking Opera has an act out of Sichuan that they change faces instantaneously from yeah. one very angry face to a one very comic, hilarious, humorous face. In one instant, they would change. It's a technique, and I think it's, it's a little bit like a magic. I think they have masks, layers of masks. They put it on their face somehow. Yeah. I saw it in Cincinnati. Last uh, February, a troupe came to per perform. And this guy would have a fan and all dressed up in the costume, in a, in a Peking opera costume. And he danced around, he jumped around, and he flipped his uh, fan, opened up, covered his face. It was a black face before, you know, like a stern face. He flipped it in one second, it became a red face and a different expression. Yeah. Change face, it's a call. It's a, it's a term terminology of change face. It's kind of a traditional Peking opera technique. Mm -hmm. I told my kids to, to like, uh, doing uh, Beethoven First Symphony from introduction to Allegro. At that moment, when you go from slow to fast, you have to change face. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. Because it's yeah. two different scenes. 
in mm-hmm. opera, it's, it's already changed scenes, right? Two yeah. scenes and two characters, a, a, a hero and a sweet little uh, virgin down the floor. The hero is saving it. You know, something happened and it's night and day, black and white. So change yeah. face. And I was become, I just tell them, change face. <laughs> Do it right now. <laughs> it's yeah. very important. You know, sudden, sudden, supito something. It's always changing. Oh, yeah. Supito something. And and recognizing when that change happens in the music and then showing. Prepare it. Yeah. yeah prepare mm-hmm. like one or beat, one or two moments before you know what's coming. Yeah. You know it's coming. And then you switch that right arm at the moment it needs to be. Because often people just do hands and they, they, they have no, no emotional infliction at all, often. Yeah. You know, the hands are right, hands are strong, hands are soft and fast, all that is correct. But nothing in their body shows there's a change of emotion. Mm-hmm. So that's important. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. your bedtime. It is, it's <laughs> definitely getting there. <laughs> Anything else we haven't covered? Um, I mean, you know, we could, we could talk forever. Uh, <laughs> if we could touch on score study a little bit, we haven't, we haven't, ah, right. the list we sent you okay. is actually an older list. Um, and so sure, we've, whatever. we've, yeah. we've, um, okay. Score study also, you know, I, I didn't, I was not taught how to, uh, uh properly or, um, systematically do score study, but, um, Harold Faberman score, if you have, Pete did it. You know, his Mahler scores are great. I've seen some of it. He would do form an, an analysis, um, instrument instrument cues and uh, phrasal analysis, harmonic analysis. His score is wonderful. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry I don't have a copy of it. But it's wonderful to look at his score. It's so well structured. But he never taught us that because my study was a, a bard because there's not that kind of private listen time you know, to yeah. really go through it. Um, Charles Brook also did not give me the basic of, you know, process, how he does it and how I should do it. But he gave me the soldier's tale and he gave me a system of how to mark the meter changes. There's a system that he follows through, how to do the 3A, how to do the 5A, you know, the, all that. But gradually from conducting and from talking to colleagues and doing uh, workshops and stuff, I gradually kind of gathered, uh, organized that you should always do a formal analysis, structural, and do the harmonic, and do the phrasal, and then do the orchestration, the instrumentation, mm-hmm. um, do the, all the cueings, and device. I developed with, for a while, I used the red and blue pencils, you know, one for instrument, one for dynamic. And right now, I kind of tend to only use one color pencil unless there's something really important, very, very, and maybe I use a red or a blue. But basically, my scores are getting cleaner now. In the yeah. early days, it's like marking everything. Yeah. So at one point, I felt like marking everything so much that you start not seeing the notes because mm-hmm. you're you know, always making notes of other things. So whatever. And people would do that. I, I talked to a lot of my colleagues. Sometimes it's marked so much, they would then go to buy a new one. And yeah. start over, <laughs> or you need an eraser, yeah. eraser, eraser, you know. So whichever, and getting a new piece of music, you know, like like we say, we could listen to it and get to it quickly to get a general idea and then breaking it down, you know, breaking it down to details. So whichever way you will go about it, but it, for me, it's always back and forth. Looking at it largely, listen is looking at it largely, and then breaking it down with a private time, slow time for individual motifs and individual harmonies and, you know, what is going on, very detailed, then gradually coming back again. So our work is sort of opposite from the composer. They start with a little, little motif and then build this complete castle, you know, huge structure for us. And we get this finished building. Then we take it apart. How do you build it together? Where is the brick, you know, where is this color of this and all the details, yeah. material. Then eventually we figure out how he builds together. We deliver it as a beautiful building, as one, as a whole. And it's just back and forth, back and forth, checking on it. Mm-hmm. So it takes time. Yeah, I like I like the observation that your scores have gotten cleaner over time. <laughs> do you uh, do you replace the old ones or do you do you keep them? Do you uh, have sometimes notes I. Yes, yes, and I like to look at my old ones, but sometimes the same piece I would have maybe three or four or five different editions. 
Yeah. You know, so a same piece, I have several things and I choose the one or I, I go over and compare it and pick the one I want to use for either whether it's cleaner or not cleaner. Usually it's cleaner. So it's not like, you know, kind of too messy. Yeah, because I've I've just started doing that where I find my old scores and I've taken a racer to it because I was like, what, what the hell was I <laughs> yeah. thinking? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Even now, when once in a while I go back to a Haydn or 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 a Beethoven or something, you know, symphony that I've done a few times, I would still look at it and say, you know, why do I do my phrasing here? No, this is not right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Still now, often I will go back and rethink and I will erase it and mark it with a question mark. Mm-hmm. And I, often I would tell my student, I think about this and let's put a question mark. I wouldn't say you have to do it this way, but basically maybe this is right, but maybe you should think about it. Maybe there's another. Yeah. You know. mm-hmm. Anyway, it's interesting. Always puzzles. Yeah. And I also ask them, you know, when I ask a question, let's think about it. You know, a little group of students, I would refer to them as detectives. Okay. <laughs> we are detectives. We're looking at this piece of music and we're trying to figure it out. Here's the clue. There's the clue. And you see this, I see that. And what is the whole picture? Yeah. You know, everybody will yeah. come in and then maybe we come to one picture or at least a, a, a more complete picture, mm-hmm. yeah, which is very interesting to, to see. Yeah. 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 Awesome. We have two, two more questions. Oh. Um, one of them is a, is a new one that I'm, that I'm trying out. Um, what composer is fascinating you right now? Hmm. It's easy to say new new music, you know, contemporary composers. But fascinating, you know, there, there are composers that are endlessly fascinating and it would never stop. One is Mahler. Okay. His music, you would never, probably you would never say, oh, yeah, I know him. <laughs> I know everything about him. Because I think he's like in the verge of, you know, when you say there's a line, a line, there's only one line between a genius and a crazy person, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, lunatic and genius. I think Mahler is sort of walking that. Beethoven is also. Sometimes yeah. I tell my students where it needs to be subito because Beethoven in, now, in our world now probably needs to be committed to asylum. Oh yeah, <laughs> you know his his mind is such that he could go so wild and so uh, introvert and 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 you know basically split in his personality. And Mahler actually has seen you know Freud for for yeah. for therapy. So great artists, I think all it is in this line between <laughs> just about insane, insane, and that it's immensely interesting to me. It never ends. And looking at the Mahler score, you can see how complicated and how sophisticated it is. So it's fascinating. He would never cease. Yeah. Beethoven probably is the next one, although yeah. he's not, you know, writing so many notes and so many uh, uh, instructions on his mm-hmm. score like Mahler. Yeah. People like that. It's, it's just uh, endlessly interesting yeah. to me. Yeah. I always like to wonder if, if, you know, Beethoven had just kept on living like into the into the twentieth century and more what 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 things yeah. he would be interested in and what right. type of music what he would be doing yeah. yeah yeah or Wagner you know sort of Wagner type yeah. of person the creativity you know we are dealing with music mostly maybe a little bit theater opera or something but Wagner is like complete right drama yeah. theater you know all the effects that we are now doing cross 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 whatever you know sound and light and staging and all that and we're trying to do now Wagner is already doing it way back mm-hmm. way back so his thinking is not just music but it's a huge huge realm of arts that music is part of yeah. so that minds like that I'm also very very intrigued by movie and theater stage directors Okay. You know, sometimes yeah. I think, oh, you know, it's conductor directing. So we're directing, we're directing, really directing sounds. But theater conductors or movie directors, they are also thinking of all these actors telling the stories from, and they, they shoot for months, you know, 12 months or something for one movie, 
we watched it for 90 or 120 minutes. But so much details and so many linear storylines. How do they keep it all together? And who's doing what? And they only shoot like 20 seconds of Tom Cruise making a face. And it's part of the movie something. Yeah. You know, that mind or a, a, a novelist, uh, the, you know, the, 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 the sequence. What, what is the most hot English-British woman that writes sequence? The scientific uh, sci-fi movie. Roland? Uh, I'm not sure. Roland Roland is the name that I, Roland Emmerich is a name that I know, but I'm not sure. Maybe this woman wrote a sequence and like that was made into movie. Very, very famous stuff. Um, you know, the, the magic school, they fly around, the little kids yeah. learning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, you know, okay. she, that kind of oh, mind. Oh, oh, yeah. You know, that kind of imagination <laughs> is incredible. And director, movie director, to be able to put such intrigue and, and, and complicated things into one that a moviegoer could comprehend. But there's mm-hmm. so much behind it. It's in, in, incredible. It, it, it just intrigues me to no end. How yeah. can you tie all these little things and then weave it into, you know, weave it into one product, which is a movie? Yeah. So much went on. When yeah. in. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Music I, I, is not, not like that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we're not that complicated. Yeah. I always yeah. wish to that I could I could get a copy of the score and that different directors would do or not a copy of the score of the screen the screenplay. And that different yeah. directors would do this that the same screenplay, you know, just like we do. And I would love to see, you know, where they differ or how they do these details. Because that's that's a lot an easier way for for most people to see the difference between the two conductors decisions is right. you know if you give two directors the same script and the same actors you know mm-hmm. what do they what do they do with yeah. it it's quite 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 different yeah it's so see, interesting yeah. Yeah. yeah and it's all it's it's all imagination really your director has to imagine or wagner also what he is seeing and then put it put it down and let other people interpret and present his his imagination, which is mm-hmm. so. Uh, it takes a lot of trust, also, you know, trusting people. Composers also, yeah. they need to have a huge trust once they are finished with their piece, giving it to us, and we deliver it. Whether it it, it is what the composer's original thought, or that we have already transformed it into something else. Quite often, it's turned into something else, you know. I remember Libby Larson. I used to com- uh, work with her and commission uh, premiere a couple of her pieces. She had a, a comment or suggestion to composers: uh, better not go to the first rehearsal because their pieces <laughs> will be, you know, so scary. To yeah. <laughs> you know? So maybe second or third, and and they get so involved, they're so anxious, they want to help, they could not, they want to get in there. But the orchestra and the conductors are already you know, pulling their hair with this new music. So it takes a lot of that uh, experience and, and trust mm-hmm. to deliver the baby. A new piece of music is delivering the baby. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. And uh, one more question. Luke, do you want to ask it? We haven't heard much of you today. <laughs> sure. <laughs> So if you were to erect a billboard for every conductor, musician uh, to see on their way to work every day, something that they would have to read, uh, something that could be inspirational. Uh, I think we've even had people pick songs. Uh, Just what would your message be to the young aspiring musician conductor? To how to be a conductor or how to be? Oh, I could, whatever, whatever the best piece of advice is that you could possibly give. Okay. Yeah, for a young conductor. Now, if I, if you were asked me this 15 years ago or so, I would be uh, directing it to a young conductor directly. I would only say that. But now I would say it broader. <laughs> I would you know, much widen it. I would say for not just a young conductor or young musician, basically a person, mm-hmm. you know, for you to enjoy life and for us pursuing music is our life goal or mission or joy. I would say to live fully, experience your life fully so you could enjoy whatever you do. 
I would yeah. say that. To live your life fully and enjoy whatever you do. And it could be expressed in your music. It could be expressed to your dance, to be expressed to your theater work, your computer work. It could be anything. Yeah. But basically just to be the best you can be and love what you do and shine it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Well, Apo, <laughs> thank you so much for joining us. I'm so glad we could, we could get you on the phone. <laughs> Such a pleasure. <laughs> this is great. Awesome. Yay. It was good to yes. see you again. Samia, yeah, you both look great. <laughs> We're right. working hard. Great. great. Yeah, keep it up. All right. Okay. Have a good night. Yes. You have a good day. All right. <laughs> bye bye. Bye bye. Okay. Bye. Thank you so much for joining us today for this episode and for all the episodes you've listened to in the past and all in the future. We really appreciate all of our listeners. Thank you for interacting with us, suggesting guests. This is exactly why we do this. You can find everything on our website at podiumtimepod.wordpress.com. And then we share everything also on our socials and on, um, on our email list as well. If you'd like to support the podcast monetarily, please head over to patreon.com slash podiumtimepod. Mendelssohn's Italian was performed by Stefano Ligorati, and Beethoven's Egmont Overture was performed by the Czech National Symphony Orchestra. Mm-hmm.